So in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on people for specific times in specific places for specific tasks. So you would see like in the book of Judges that the Spirit would rush upon men like Samson so that they could carry out God's purposes. But then, you know, when they're not doing their thing, you know, the Spirit withdraws. That's why David in Psalm 51 says, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me right? Because he, he wants to be indwelt by God and he wants to be led by God. But what happens, and you can read about this in Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36 and 37, is the new covenant is this promise, not only that, that God will come upon his people for specific times and specific places, but he actually will dwell with us. And instead of having to memorize his laws, he's actually going to write them on our heart. And he's going to give us new hearts and new affections. And he's going to take out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh so that we can respond to him and so that we can hear his voice. And Pentecost is the fulfillment of that promise. That this is a new era in salvation history. That all God's people receive God's Spirit, and God pours out His Spirit on His people. And I, I love it that that language is used. It's, it's the generosity of God. He's not holding back anything from His Holy Spirit. He's pouring it out on His church, right? And I love that song, Fresh Wind. Like, we, we need more of that, right? We all possess, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, the reality of the Spirit making you new. But the, the truth is, we don't always walk in the fullness of the Spirit right? Um, so we have to learn how to do that. And God is eager to meet with us. So the big idea that we're going to look at this morning is because God is a speaking God and speaking is normative in every part of scripture, God actually wants to speak to you and use you to communicate his heart to others, right? So God we're going to talk about some gifts of the Spirit next week and how this plays itself out. But the inheritance of the people of God is that you would hear from God. Now, the first point that we have this morning is hearing God begins with the conviction that God speaks. That this is powerful. That this is normative. Um, if we're using the image of a father... Only a dysfunctional father doesn't speak to his children, right? He doesn't leave us with long periods leaving us to languish, but he actually wants to lead us and guide us and comfort us. So we're going to look at several ways that God speaks. And the first way and the primary way that God speaks is through his word. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says this, All scripture is breathed out, by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So God speaks through his word. And we can become overly familiar with this gift, but, but God uniquely owns the words of this book. There is a self-authenticating, um, self-attesting kind of characteristic that's associated with Scripture, that he speaks to us through his word. Romans 10 says that, that faith is actually a gift associated with his word, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more that we hear from God in Scripture, the result is 
faith. And the truth is that God owns every one of these words, that his words will prove true. And it says in Isaiah 55 that not one of his promises will fail to come about and accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. Every promise is true. Not one of them will return void. But also, as we've been meditating on this this morning, Psalm 29, verses 3 through 5, we're going to go through a lot of scripture this morning, but I want you to feel the full effect of the power of the voice of God. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. Listen to this. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. His voice is powerful, right? And so it is right and it is appropriate to give honor to his word. But, but don't make any mistake that, that we hold in our very hands the same power that created the universe. And he speaks to us. He uses his words to bring peace and healing. We see this from the ministry of Jesus, right? They're out on the boat in the middle of the storm. He speaks directly to the storm and says, peace be still. His words are powerful, right? And he has the ability to speak to you through his word, no matter what you're going through, in a way that brings you peace. His words bring healing. He speaks to deaf ears and they are opened. He spoke to his best friend Lazarus who had died in John chapter 11 and he came forth with life. John 5, 25, this is Jesus speaking. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live, right? The voice of God changes destinies, right? People are moved from death to life when they hear the voice of the living God. And the, God speaks to us through his word. But he also, we've been worshiping around this idea that he speaks through creation. Psalm 19, 1 through 3 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, there are no words whose voice is not heard. So we've been referring to these group of photos, and you can put up a few of them, just to, to meditate on. These are images that no one in the human race has seen since the dawn of time, right? It's not as if they have not been there, but they have been there declaring the majesty and the power and the glory of God. God speaks through creation, but, but this is what I want you to know first and primary is that although God's glory exists in these stars that are shining in space that no one has ever seen, you know what the pinnacle of his creation is? It's you and I. 
right? He has set his affection on us. That the God that spoke all of those things into creation spoke love into the universe and he chose us before the foundation of the world. That's absolutely stunning, amazing grace. That before he said, let there be light and those stars leapt into existence, he said, let there be love and he calls us to himself, right? This God is absolutely amazing. So he speaks through creation. He speaks through his son, Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. So you want to know what God is like? He speaks to us through Jesus, right? Jesus is the exact representation of God the Father. And he steps into time. He steps into space. If you want to know how God deals with someone that's caught red-handed in the midst of their sin, John chapter 8, there's a woman that's caught in adultery. How does God respond in those moments? He rushes in to bring mercy and grace. God speaks to us through his Son. Jesus came to reveal the Father. He is a healer and a reconciler and an advocate, and he brings forgiveness and love. So God speaks to us through Jesus. God also speaks throughout Scripture. He speaks in an audible voice. John chapter 12, as Jesus is making his way to the cross, the crowd thinks that it's thundering, but it's really God saying that I'm going to glorify my son. Right? So God speaks in an audible voice. And if he does, I mean, I've never heard an audible voice from God. But if he does, I would suggest that we pay attention. Right? That's a way that he speaks in Scripture. Aaron looked at this a, a few weeks ago. And, and Aaron's done a great job the last few weeks just serving, teaching. I love seeing his teaching gift come to bear. He shared the story of Philip where the Spirit led Philip to go up to the Ethiopian eunuch, right? And, and the gospel breaks into the continent of Africa just by the Spirit leading one conversation to one person, right? And we don't know for sure. I mean, that could have been an audible voice, but all throughout the book of Acts, we see the Spirit leading, the Spirit guiding, and the people of God are able to understand and the people of God are able to respond. God speaks through his people, Right? Through intermediaries. You see this in the Old Covenant. People like Moses bringing down the law, explaining what God is speaking. You see it in Paul. You see it in all the apostles. He speaks through dreams, right? He leads his mission. Um, the, the gospel breaks into the city of Philippi. Acts chapter 16. Because of a dream, God speaks. That's what's promised in Acts chapter 2. He speaks through visions, right? Who remembers Peter's vision in Acts chapter 10, right? He has this sheet that's coming down. There, and there's something about this, this dream or this vision that he has that couldn't be accomplished any other way. I mean, um, it, it looked like all these things that he wouldn't eat, kind of like a Cajun menu, you know? I mean, it was, it was coming down out of heaven, but God used that to kind of move them um, out into mission because the, the gospel was kind of staying stagnated. So God breaks into the story, leads them forward. God speaks through angels. He announced the birth of Jesus. Then he spoke to Joseph, told them to 
run and flee to Egypt. He spoke to Daniel, who was praying in exile that God's promises would come true. The first word that the angel said to them is, you are greatly loved. So God shows up when people need him the most. God speaks to his people from every corner of Scripture. Because it's normative for God to speak to his people, we need to understand that he's desirous to speak to us this morning. He wants to speak to you about your life. He wants to speak to you about the things that bring you anxiety. He wants to speak to you about your purpose and your calling. He wants to speak to you about the things that he's called you to do. And he wants to speak to you who he is in light of all those things. Jack Deere, in his book, Hearing the Voice of God, says this. He says, when it comes to applying the Bible to today's experience, and this is the Bible Belt, so many conservatives are filled with the same kind of unbelief as liberals. For many Orthodox Christians, the Bible is a book of abstract truth about God rather than a guide into the supernatural realm of God's power. Because our method of reading the Bible has taught us not to expect these things. This leaves us with a moralistic vision of Christianity that believes discipline is the key to the spiritual life. And by the way, it's our discipline. The Bible is more than a theological treatise. It is a guide to dynamic encounters with a God who works wonders. The Bible was given that we may hear God's voice and respond to that voice with life-changing faith. Dallas Willard also says this, the greatest issue facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or culture and are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus, steadily learning from him how to live life in the kingdom of the heaven or how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of human existence. So God wants to speak to us, he wants to lead us, he wants to guide us, and he wants to bring us into alignment with his purposes. And listen, this is not an optional extra for the Christian life. Jesus makes it very clear in John chapter 15 that apart from him we can't do anything, right? We actually need to hear from him on a daily basis. So I want to spend the rest of our time today talking about how we develop a lifestyle of listening. Because um, if you're anything like me, there can be times and seasons where his voice seems to go silent. So how do we respond in moments like those? So how do we begin to listen? The first thing we do is turn down the noise, right? We need to quiet our lives and our souls. You have to make room for your soul to breathe. It's amazing how much noise is in our world, right? What's even probably more telling is how much we actually fear the quiet, right? Because when the world gets quiet, although the external noise may go down, the internal noise begins to rise to the surface. Our cares, our concerns, our worries. And the easiest thing to do in those moments is to reach for some form of distraction. Psalm 131 says, 
This is David speaking. He says, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. So there's an art to this. Now, Jen and I had the privilege of doing this this week, making time and making space for our soul to breathe. And we came away just absolutely convinced that this is a non-negotiable for the Christian life. I mean, within mere moments of sitting, and and, and there's just a, a simple person playing at the keyboard in this prayer room. We opened up God's word, and he just begins to bring us revelation and encouragement over and over again. And I have the privilege of being able to do that because I'm a pastor. But listen, this is something that we must all do to fight for our very lives, right? Apart from hearing from him, either we're going through the motions, right? Or we're just asking him to kind of bless our plans as we go. But he actually wants to meet us and he actually wants to lead us and guide us. That's the only way that we truly can receive the peace that passes all understanding is to quiet our souls and our lives. Elijah is a good example of this in the Old Testament. I don't know if you know the story from 1 Kings chapter 19, but Elijah is discouraged. Um, he looks at the condition of the people of God. He thinks he's been the only faithful one. Have you ever been there? Right? Um, I have. And um, basically, like, he's ready to give up. He's ready to throw in the towel. So he's in this cave, and he's basically wanting to hear from God, basically, you know, wanting God to just take him home. And God shows up, and first there's, a, there's an earthquake, and then there's wind, and then there's fire. Almost sounds like a 1970s band, but I'll digress there. Um, and God wasn't in the earthquake, and God wasn't in the wind, and God wasn't in the fire. But when God spoke, it was in a low whisper. It was, as the King James says, a still small voice. Literally translated, it's a thin silence, right? Sometimes you have to lean in to hear the voice of God. You have to make time in your soul and in your schedule. And just being away just for a week, I thought about all the numerous ways that I intentionally invite noise. Listen, there is plenty of noise that's going to come looking for you, but I'm just talking about the noise that we invite into our lives. So just think about that. How might God want to invite you into rest and being able to quiet your soul and your life this week so that you might be encouraged by him? So the first way we hear from him is begin to quiet our souls in our life. The next way we learn to listen is to turn up the input of scripture and spend time in his presence worshiping him, right? This isn't a throwaway church thing, right? The only way that we live the Christian life is through his words. His words are meant to nourish us and lead us and guide us, right? I mean, it's like our, that's why we pray like for, for daily bread. That's not just a, a physical prayer that we're asking God to provide for us, but we're, we're asking him to give us bread for our souls. And it's his words that actually anchor us and keep us. 
But not only that, I think intentionally spending time in his presence, and this is, this is a discipline, right? I mean, um, some of us love the, the quiet, contemplative side of things, and we love the, the kind of still waters and Jesus showing up in that way to meet us. But listen, he also wants to show up in those words of power where his voice is like the cedars. And he actually wants to break off some things in our lives. And so we have to be open to both of those things. God speaks to us. He wants to rearrange some things. And a lot of that comes out as we just focus on him. We're not focusing even on our needs, but we're, we're focusing on his beauty and his power and his majesty. And as you just begin to think about him, he actually reciprocates and begins to speak to you. you. You've probably had that experience this morning as you're focusing in on the words that we're singing. That's why we slow down to let the words penetrate our hearts. So we, we sing so that we can commune with God. So we turn up the input of Scripture and we spend time in His presence. And this, this is probably the hardest lesson. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time here and then we're going to uh, spend some time listening together. You have to learn voice recognition, right? Because there's a huge difference between God's voice and my internal monologue that seems to go 100 miles a minute sometimes. There's a big difference between God's voice and the enemy's voice. I was talking to my son Hudson, and uh, man, it's an amazing thing to have your kids lead you in worship. Right, so we we came back, and this has just been a really amazing week for us. Like Jen and I went away, and the kids went away, and I mean, it was till eleven thirty last night. They're just sharing the things that God's done in their hearts, and uh, and I think He found some new freedom in worship. You know, it's new for Him to want to raise his hands, and nobody asked him to do that. He just felt like God was worthy of that. So we've never told our kids you have to do it this way. Um, but he wanted to do that, and there was a room full of people that were doing that. And he said, but you know what? And I, this was unprovoked, and I asked him if I could share this. He said, at the same time, there was another voice in my head saying, you're just making this up, or you're just making a big deal, or reminding me of all the ways that I failed God, and I'm not worthy to do this, and this is only for the super spiritual people. Right? If that's true for my 15-year-old son, like how much more true is it for people that are a little bit further down the road when the baggage accumulates? Right. So you have to learn to, to listen for the right voice. And John 10 is this master class in the voice of God versus the voice of the enemy. John 10.10 10 says, this is what the thief does. This is the enemy. He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy Jesus came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So the enemy's voice brings condemnation. The enemy's voice brings shame. The enemy's voice brings comparison. The enemy's voice causes you to question your identity, to question God's words and his promises. The enemy's voice brings insecurity, anxiety, worry, fear, anything that makes you want to quit. That is the voice of the enemy. Anything, and listen, this isn't a polite nuisance. It says the enemy wants to actually kill you, right? He wants to kill your faith. So we must not pay attention to the wrong voice, but we must magnify his voice. This is the promise for the people of God. And this is, this is how you can have confidence. This is where you can anchor all of this. John 10, 27, and 28 says, 
My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one, listen, no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's the inheritance of the people of God, to hear his voice. God's voice brings peace. God's voice brings life. God's voice brings joy, purpose, calling, destiny, hope, identity, love. It brings us deeper into his promises, deeper into his word, and deeper into his um, calling for our life. So we must learn voice recognition. And so I want to go ahead and invite the band to come on up. We're going to spend some time, and we're going to do this probably different than we've done it in the past. Bands, you can come on up and join. We're going to spend some time listening, right? They're, they're going to eventually get into singing the song, Speak to Me, and we're going to let God speak to his people because that's what he's committed to do. And as I was praying for this morning, I, I think there's a couple of groups that he really wants to bring ministry to. And the, the first is those that are struggling with assurance and belonging. It says in John 10, 27 and 28, my sheep know my voice and they belong to me, right? So I think God wants to, to bring assurance that his voice really does want to come in and drown out voices of fear and shame and condemnation and lies from the enemy that would cause you to believe that you do not belong or you do not have a place. But I also believe there's another group of people that God wants to do real ministry with, and that, that's those that are, are looking for some next steps in their calling, right? He doesn't have to give you the, the whole picture. It could be just like Philip. It could be doing the next right thing. But I believe he wants to, to affirm to people that are trying to seek him out in his purposes, that he's not hiding. So as you, I'm going to invite Jen up. She's going to share a few things. And um, we're just going to have a time of listening. We're going to listen to the band. We're going to listen to God's word. And we're going to allow him to speak. And he may speak to you through just a word. He may speak to you through a picture. He may bring lyrics to a song. He may speak to you for yourself. He may speak to you for your neighbor. Um, and we just want to make ourselves and our hearts available. So Jen's going to share a little. <laughs> 